Truth in Us Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening. And today we're recording in Washington, D.C. at Eaton, D.C. in the Eaton Radio Hub. Uh, Eaton Radio is a community-based radio station with a DIY spirit, and it definitely resonates with the, uh, the podcaster in me. And today I'm super excited to be in conversation with my next guest, the director of media for United Frey and the editor-in-chief of District Frey magazine. Please welcome Monica Alford. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, for making the time and coming down. I, I see that you're, you're dressed for the occasion. I'm in a dusty Carhartt, so. I think you look very stylish. Well, well thank you. <laughs> I, I'm wearing my, my DC brand. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so um, for starters, um, could you share a little bit of your background and some of your early creative interests? Sure, so um, I'm one of those strange people that has always wanted to be a journalist. Um, and uh, I feel like even from early childhood, being a writer um, and being very, very interested in arts and culture, uh, is that's been everything. That's been all my hobbies and interests. Um, and then in middle school, high school, leading up to college, any opportunity to uh, write, you know, running the school newspaper, um, you know, writing for the, the neighborhood newsletter, you know, um, doing great uh, internships with um, the, the first International Spy Museum, actually, um, for their marketing department right when they first opened, which was very fun. And then um, working for this uh, this great local newspaper um, that was student a student-led newspaper, but run by several uh, OG journalists um, that are part of the National Press Club. Um, and some of those those friends made in high school are now you know creatives that have stayed in DC that I've been friends with for you know 15. I'm not gonna say how well, but yeah, it's been a while. 20 years, actually, yeah, closer to 20 years. Um, and uh, and then I really started being. Um, there was that time, especially I grew up in the DC area, so I didn't want to do politics, didn't want to do hard news. So it was kind of uh, figuring out, okay, so magazine feature writing, you know, how to how to start that career. Um, and I ended up going to Emerson College, which is you know one of the the best journalism schools in the country. It was my dream. Um, I actually. Uh, was accepted for January admission and went to another school for a few months and I was supposed to go to Loyola New Orleans and I um, got down there for three days and had to evacuate because it was Katrina. So that's how I started my collegiate career um, which was a very interesting uh, way to start Um, and the long and short of that was that uh, Georgetown offered to keep a lot of Loyola students because it was Jesuit and they honored our tuition and scholarships etc. So I was at Georgetown for a semester which was very, very uh, interesting um, with a lot of other displaced students, and I had the opportunity to apply to stay there, um, which was not ever the plan. Go back to Loyola, which was very tempting because I love New Orleans, and um, another big part of my background and, and personal passions, um, which I credit my mom for 100%, is uh, philanthropy and giving back and nonprofit work, and that idea of being there to help rebuild a city that is so uh, deeply rooted in arts and culture was very tempting. Um, but I ended up going to Emerson as planned because that was, again, I'm on that one track mind. Um, and I double majored in print journalism and magazine writing and publishing. So it was you know, exactly what I, I wanted to do. Um, and then I spent um, the first six or seven years out of school uh, paying my dues, doing, doing the opposite of what I think a lot of millennials uh, did. I, um, I went right into working for um, a company where I built out weekend events calendar 
calendars and online newsletters. Um, they were circulated uh, with a, uh, via email with a couple hundred thousand people in the area, but it was on behalf of realtors. Yeah. So I was basically writing their content um, for them. But it was you know similar to some of the things that we do now digitally for the magazine, all the cool things to do um, you know in and around the city, and then starting to incorporate interviews with um, artists and chefs and things like that. Um, and I freelanced on the side always for different publications in and around um, DC. And then um, I was a strategic consultant for a couple years. Yeah. So I worked with uh, a lot of clients like the National Cybersecurity Center of Excellence and NIST out in Maryland. And I always tease that, because um, my husband's in public health and is, I say he's my dorky scientist. And I always say that my job was to come in and build the comms plans and work with the dorky scientists and teach them how to be <laughs> more well-spoken and yeah. better presenting. But it was, it was great work. Um, and still a ton of professional writing, um, but you know that was not where my heart was, and um, still freelancing all the time. And uh, one of the, the magazines I was freelancing the most for was On Tap magazine, hmm. um, which I became managing editor of full time at the beginning of um, let's see, it was 2016. Hmm. Um, and On Tap was uh, based in Alexandria, Virginia. It had been around since 1998. Our circulation was really steep. It was um, 250 locations monthly and then we had all glossy um, covers and newsprint interior and it started as more of like you know pick up pick up a copy at your neighborhood bar and it's it's it was definitely more food and bev focused um, some arts and culture content and then when I started writing um, for for on tap I was very interested in the local theater scene and again growing up here and seeing the way the city has changed um, it was always very important to me to make per the performing arts in particular more accessible to younger people and to kind of remove that idea that it's for stuffy like you know white hairs and and uh, and that it's it's expensive and not accessible um, to different audiences and so I became the theater columnist and then I just literally wrote anything anytime that the magazine needed or wanted which is how I think I got the gig and I like I give that advice to people all the time, I like pay your dues, write your butt off, if, or do whatever you know, like interview your butt off, or photograph your butt off, whatever it is, because the the hustle and being willing to not turn down any assignment and be um, a team player and a generalist is really um, huge. And, and I think I think that's a really good note right there. Where in looking at like doing this, yeah. When I tell people, it's like I put out three hundred podcasts last year. They look at me like I'm out of my mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm, I'm doing it, and part of it comes from this this conversation I had with a casting director. Yeah, it's like if you're around, you're gonna get picked up for work. People are gonna like, oh yeah, I saw that interview. I know that person. Right. I want to be interviewed, and. Um, this interview is probably going to be a part of this week of interviews. So you're, you might find this interesting. I yeah. love New Orleans as well. Right? Yeah. I was able to interview the uh, creative director for Way At magazine. Nice. <laughs> so it's just like eh, kind of running this little theme right here. Mm -hmm. And um, I was down there two weeks ago. So this is the second time this year I've been in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> I love That's New wonderful. Orleans. I do too. I do too. I um, Yeah. The only reason I got lucky enough to evacuate is because I had been down a few times with my parents. They had dear friends who ran an Airbnb down or a B and be down there and um, they were staying with them so most kids were got you know stuck uh, going and, and living in really awful conditions for at least a week without being able to reach their families and I got lucky enough that my folks were still in town packed an overnight bag when it was category one and you know took the 
the longest bridge in the country over to the you know to Florida. Right. Tried to cross through Mississippi and had a cop say the state of Mississippi is closed. And we're like, what? And like, find another way. So it was wild. But um, but yeah, I, I just I I have always felt um, a strong bond with that city. I have so many friends who live down there now too. So one hundred percent, it's it's right there, sitting there as a potential like relocation space or what have you. Mm -hmm. Already have a a New Orleans Creole Cajun like alias. Nice. It's it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So could you tell us a bit about your, your current work, current role? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, sorry. And I, I, um, I can move more quickly through this this last part. So, so essentially, uh, I, I became managing editor of ONTAP um, after you know being a freelancer and a, and a theater columnist at the beginning of um, 2016. And I was in that role for three years before we were acquired by United Frey. Mm. Um, and in the ONTAP years, I, I basically, in those three years, gutted the magazine completely. I was like, this is what I've been wanting to do my whole life. I'm so excited. Um, and I wanted to really reshape um, the bones were good, and our publisher was um, a total hustler. She uh, set up our company in a way where she ran great events all over the city too to help generate revenue and expand our partnerships, um, and you know everything from National Geographic Museum to the Wharf. And um, so I learned a lot from her in that time. But I also was pretty unabashed about coming in and saying I'm gutting it. Like I'm, I, 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 I got rid of writers and. Contributors that I didn't think were the right fit. Um, I became a uh, art director essentially. I've never not been 100% involved in the design process, and I don't have any formal background in that. So in those years, it was um, it was a lot of extra work and a lot for me to learn. But really wanted the magazine to not only be more uh, comprehensively lifestyle and entertainment and bring in more arts and culture, but have. Um, really good professional journalists supporting as a professional editor, <laughs> making sure everything was the way it needed to look, um, high quality design and photography, and also just telling the right stories. And so I put everything into that. And then at the beginning of um, 2019, our former publisher ended up taking a, a full-time role with The Wharf, um, running their private events, and very quickly sold. And that was a tough, that was a tough time because I, I had a a moment, a window where I could have um, purchased the magazine or tried to find a way to get a you know board of investors and, and right. do it on my own. Um, but it was just such a quick turn, and and I I didn't feel like that was a smart move without you know a couple of years of planning or at least a yeah. year you know some kind of um, sounding board and and time. So um, Frey has been incredible though. It, it ended up being um, it opened so many more opportunities for us. So I've been the I went from managing editor. Um, to editor-in-chief, and now I'm editor-chief and a director of media. So um, we kept the ONTAP name for a full year, and then we rebranded as District Frey um, March 2020. We were supposed to do a winter issue, and I delayed it because I wanted everything to be perfect. I had No Kings Collective, um, Brandon Hill Illustrated, uh, front and back cover. I was doing you know spots uh, on air, which I'm not comfortable doing. I don't like being on TV. We were being interviewed by other publications. I was on panel. We were supposed to have a thousand-person launch party. I mean, we we did it up, and literally came out that first week of March, and then two weeks later. So um, it was a really wild time to to, to come out with a new publication yeah. um, as well. But in that time, um, we were able to uh, go all glossy and perfect bound. So really, just like a beautiful um, publication, um, and and again, continue to evolve the 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 format and the quality of content and. We were the one thing keeping the company um, 
you know, engaged with the community during during COVID. So the phrase 12 years old, and it started with social sports leagues. Um, and now we, we have events all over the city that range from concert series to one-off cultural events. And then I'm at the helm a lot of, of a lot of the magazine-specific ones that sure. are editorially curated. Um, and then daily digital content and the, you know, the print publication 11 times a year. Um, but during that time, events and sports couldn't really do much, right? They did a lot of virtual <laughs> things, yeah. but we still kept making the magazine. And that whole uh, idea of storytelling and community building and staying engaged in the community. And we did everything safely, but I never stopped working with my team. I still saw them every month for production. We had a bubble. Again, my husband's in public health, so my, my, my team always called him Mr. CDC. Like, what is, he does not work for the CDC, but, you know, basically he was our, our lit, litmus for what we thought was, you know, yeah. safe and what we could do. And um, so it was, it was pretty incredible um, to be able to keep, to keep making the magazine. And uh, Frey, because it's just a bigger um, entity, has afforded us um, the opportunity to really grow the publication and, and make a name for ourselves in a, in a, you know, we're still small and scrappy, but not quite small, as small and scrappy as the, the on tap days. Um, so yeah, that's. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's like half of the questions that I have. So shout out to you. It's as if I'm you sorry. have the questions already. Well, they're they're all they're all so connected, and it's like I feel like if if I can give you anything, it's the through line for me. Is anytime I'm making like a big, you know, leap or starting a new chapter, something crazy happens, right? Like a, like find you know new new publication and it's COVID, or starting college and it's Katrina, or at the 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 same month that I got the job and on tap, we'd been trying to get pregnant, and I told my husband, "This is it, dream job. We'll pause." I was pregnant with my son. And a month later, so we were that whole first year at a company that's or a magazine that literally has you know a beer title, um, where I was out and about doing behind the bar columns, whatever. I was pregnant the whole time and just you know proving that I was gonna you know kick it with everybody else, my young staff, and so yeah, it's just I, nothing. I don't do things the easy way, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm hearing that and I admire that as well. Um, Thank you. So, like I, I see. This 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 idea, this like mission maybe of making fun possible. Yes. So talk a little bit about that, and in that vein, what is your, the your, your the fav your favorite part of your job? Okay, so make fun possible is the the ethos that our CEO and publisher um, Robert Kinsler built for the company. So it is the through line for all three the pillars of our of our company, media event sports, and we touch about a hundred thousand people in the city across those three those three areas. And um, his vision when he wanted to acquire a media entity or you know build build one of his own was to make sure that we cover things that bring people joy. Um, and so the way that I translate his his mission statement for the, the company, because we, you know, no, there, there's a joke in the, the, the publishing world, like no publisher and editor are always on the same page. <laughs> and it's healthy for us to butt heads, and we, we talk about that frequently. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we share a love for print, and he is... Um, young as well, like a, a much younger publisher than, than most of his peers in that space, and uh, is very committed to keeping this publication. So to his credit, um, we, we always find our way through, even when we disagree. <laughs> and when it comes to the making fun possible, the way that that translates for me to um, the, the content specifically is this, again, this idea of community building. Uh, I constantly want to 
provide voices, um, pr provide a space for voices that haven't been heard yet. So we're, we're, we, a lot of the feedback I get from community members is, wow, I didn't know that these people existed or they weren't on my radar. And every time I look at your content, I'm learning about new people in the community that are up and coming in, in whatever their field or you know area of interest is. And a lot of the our, our peers seem to only continue working with or featuring the same people. And there's 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 space for the OGs. And then there's but there's so many young people and, and people in general doing incredible things in the city. So I want to be like a, a discovery tool for that, where where folks come to us knowing they're gonna you know learn about someone interesting that they didn't know about. Um, and all of our journalism is objective. We don't you know this isn't advertorial. But we're also not we're not uh, hard news public. You know, we're not hard news. We're not. Um, I don't have critics. You know, right. we're not snarky. That's not a space that I would want, even if that wasn't already, uh, you know, our publisher's mission. Um, so he and I are very aligned on that, and we don't. We also don't get political. So I think it is. It is generally we talk about things that are that are real, and there's a lot of things that are not happy. Um, but our angle is always okay. But here's how you can support this effort, or you know, you know, connect with this person, or why their story is so empowering, or whatever else. So that's. Um, that's what it. That's that's what I hope to to translate through our content. And the the only other example I can give that's, I think sometimes with our digital content we will you know we'll do what everybody else does. It's a roundup of best you know places to treat your mom on for Mother's Day brunch. Everybody wants to know that, and we have a lot of people we want to places that we want to support. And I'm a mom. I might want to look at that list. Um, <laughs> But but then also you know we we're not we're not eater right you're not going to go to us to find out the newest the five new brunch spots open this month but in our next print issue or you know in our digital content in the next few weeks you might um, see a piece or two about uh, the chef at that new spot and what makes them you know so so interesting and they'll give like you know tips for or like share a recipe or give like some kind of uh, interesting insight into their like kitchen or how they prepare a dish or how they support you know immigrant workers because of their own experience and why they're the, the kind of restaurant you want to align yourself with because they do great work for the community you know so that that's more I would say we're like a little bit of a deeper dive on those those types of stories um, which I think is really special because there's so many of those to tell you know? yeah I, I, and I, I like the and thank you for that, because I, I like the sort of like notion of, you know, we're just kind of providing it. We're kind of putting you on, as it were. Yep. And that's what I aim to do in this. There's right. an occasion I get these DMs from folks. Man, I really wish you would have asked that gotcha question. It's like, I don't want to ask that. Yeah. That's like, you, you know what that does? Yep. You know, it kind of like, you, you don't get to the next interview. You sure. don't get to the next person. It's like, oh, I mean, maybe there is a, a tougher question. Maybe there is something that's a little deeper that can provide some insight. But right. the purpose of it is, is kind of like showing this person, showing their work, showing and helping them share their story. Yep. And that's kind of the focus. Yep. Everything else, I don't really care about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that and that's kind of the point, too, is I think it's what motivates you, right? Like, I, I know there are... Um, you know, journalists and interviewers that want to have that gotcha moment because that that feels important to them to be like they got the scoop or they they did the thing. Um, but the upshot for me is or takeaway is I I 
want to build this with kindness only. Um, and if there's ever something that doesn't work out with anyone we've partnered with, or you know, for on an event or featured on a cover, it still you always kill with kindness. You never ever burn a bridge. Our city is so small. Um, I mean, I, Baltimore too, and like the way those those communities know each other so well. Our creative communities are t are tiny, and everybody knows everybody. It's and right. it's it's just why, why like what's the point of doing that? You know, like why wouldn't you want to be a cheerleader and a supporter of the people that you're choosing to feature, rather than you know putting them in the in that tough position. Yeah, I, I remember I did this this interview with um, Sunny from uh, DC Jazz Fest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and and she was sitting there and she was like, "I'm a jazz champion." I was like, "I like that. I like that." And I started thinking about it. I was like, "I, I like talking with people who are." evangelists who are activists who mm -hmm. are in that sort of vein but for the creative sort of like conversation and documenting it in that way yeah it's like I don't need to do that that's for right. someone else and you know as a person that's been I'm trying to like have more of the journalistic slant to what I do yep I was just like I just I just do podcasts and I was yep. just like no I'm a journalist I'm like arts journalist and I'll say like I remember at a point when so many people were like, this is the formula. Mm -hmm. Do your barbershop podcast, get kind of ratchet with it. And I was like, it's not really what I want to do. I was like, yeah. I'm capable of doing that. I'm sure it'd be great. I'm sure I can do the sort of gotcha journalism thing that some people enjoy, but sure. that doesn't bring someone to a place. And that's the purpose of why I'm doing this. Right. And even expanding and going out, like going down here and doing these interviews. And I think it's important to do them on location, like mm -hmm. in DC, mm -hmm. or even when I go up to Philly to do them there, because it's like peaking curiosity. Mm -hmm. If I'm going there with the level of curiosity, I hope that resonates in the conversation right. where someone's like, I want to learn more about Monica. I want to learn more about Frey. Right. And that's, that's the point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm again, very appreciative that you thought I was <laughs> worth having this conversation with. I appreciate I mean, it. This is a long time coming. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, so I, I got I got two last real questions for you, right? And um, I'm going to combine one of them because I think it's going to be interesting. So it's actually so it's two. Here, here it is. Uh, so let's see. How, like, in, in, what are some of the considerations that you're made that you're making rather to like fight for that real estate, that sort of attention real estate? Because you know, you, you see social media, you mm -hmm. see like podcasts, you see like publications, websites, yep. all of that stuff. It's like a million things coming at you at one time. Sure. And you're like, how do I stick out? Like, and I, and I think I have an answer for it, but I want to hear from you. So, uh, meaning what do I do to make the, the, yes. our content in general stick yes. out, mm -hmm. uh, compared to peers and things? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I think, I think we got really lucky in a sense and I do not ever wish misfortune on my peers but you know um, BYT shutting down you know at the beginning of COVID um, and city paper changing their structure um, and the, and and several other you know uh, entities um, just changing or shifting or, or paring down their what they're doing left an opening um, that again I really rely on the feedback I get out and about in the community. I'm not saying that's the only consideration. I certainly care what, you know, Sunny from DC Jazz Festival <laughs> or the director, press director at Kennedy Center or, uh, you know, the people who own 930 Club. I want, I want, I want, I care what they think of the magazine too, but the community is the heartbeat. If, the, if they're not reading it, if they're not, res, if it's not resonating with them, then, then what am I doing? Right. So one thing that um, continues to be said, especially coming out of COVID and everybody being, everybody being so hungry for connection and, 
um, you know, finding ways to activate together, collaborate, et cetera, is that they, the community feels a hole in the market for the kind of content that we're putting out and also for the kind of events that I'm trying to craft on the editorial side. So I think it's a combination of we're not, we're not one of the, the uh, local or regional glossies that is um, it's well, there's a lot that are more focused on advertorial and sponsored content and just a different demographic yeah. just like an older an older version of DC what I think people who don't spend time here or really know us think about that's what they think DC is and then we all know that's not actually the case yeah. and there's a space for those publications and I think they're beautiful and they are well respected but that's not what we're doing and I think everybody can see how different we are but then on the flip we're also not city paper or mm -hmm. DCS you know again no not hard news not political not um, you know, we don't we don't have necessarily critics or like author, authoritative voices on certain topics in a way that is you know you want to make sure you you know read their review before going to see a play or whatever right. it might be. But um, but again, that we we need we need those publications too. So I almost describe us as like we're like a hybrid, mm. like an alt monthly um, that's got like the the look and feel and quality both in the the art, the photography, the the the, the journalist that I'm working with, the design of these other upper echelon, you know, local pubs, but then our content is more of this like authentic, uh, real DC that resonates more with these publications on the, the other end that are more interested in, um, you know, and in, in what we're growing and building here and, and the way that we're connected. Um, so, and, and, and definitely like a Gen Z millennial focus. So it's a, it's a really sweet spot to be in, in the sense that I feel like really like the energy is vibrating all the time around this, and all I wish I could do is get more um, eyeballs on us more quickly. And it's been really interesting. I just, I've always wondered what what this trajectory would have been like if COVID hadn't happened, or if we'd rebranded like right away the year before or something. Because I just, I, I think it's it's the way that it needed to go. But I, I want to see the people who know who know us. I think are very loyal to us and really love the content yeah. and really love our events and really are, are the vibe is clear like what we're trying to build is is clear and it resonates it hits but i now my biggest focus is how do i get more people to in the city to know about this across the board you know whether it's coming to one of our events or checking out just our digital content or picking up the magazine or listening to you know your podcast whatever the case may be but that that's really where I think the, the focus needs to be now. So so no artificial vibes. I was trying to get that yeah. over all day. That's a new term I coined. No I was like, vibes, I like that. Yeah, just really, like everything needs to, to ring true. With It needs to be authentic. It needs to be genuine. Um, you know, we still, like I said, I care about what, um, you know, our folks that I've built partnerships and relationships with who've given me access for amazing cover shoots or press opportunities. Like those relationships matter a ton to me. But um I think I found pretty good alignment consistently between what what they want to see and what I want to do and how that mm -hmm. hits with the community because also a lot of the institutions in the city want to bring in the kind of folks that are coming to our events and reading our content you know like this hip young creative energy is is really sexy to, to all of these institutions you know they they, they that's what they want that's the demo that they're looking for um, so yeah I, I think it's a, it's an exciting time to kind of I don't know weave those together 100%. If that makes sense. And and I think that's actually where we'll start with the real podcast. But even you, even the great Monica Alford has to get the rapid fire questions. So Fair. I got three of them for you. Okay. Uh, the first one, 
so this is relates to your job and I'm, and I'm kind of thinking of like apps what are like three of the most common tools that you use day to day like I remember I had a conversation with uh, with with uh, Robert Wachowski from Wayette, and he was like, eh, "I don't use Canva." He's like, "I'm using InDesign." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what what are the three tools for you? Well, InDesign is is everything that we do, you know, for for magazine production and layout. Um, and uh, Otter is what I use for interviews and transcriptions. That is uh, one of my favorite life hacks. And uh, I will do this specifically for my publisher. It'll make his his heart go pitter patter. <laughs> Our company is really big on Asana as a project management tool, <laughs> and it, I've been very resistant to using it for. Um, the way we have to track our production process. But I have a creative director um, and several project managers who have taken the system I had for years for our production process, it was more like spreadsheet, and put it into this system. And it's actually improved a lot of our, our workflows. And Because I have so many people involved in editing and designing in, during that, that production process. Um, and we do it all ourselves. You know, most, most glossies, they're outsourcing to a design team in somewhere else in the country. So it's, uh, yeah, those are probably the, the three mission critical for me. Slack is how we communicate, too, as a team. That's like a... So you threw a fourth one in there. I like okay. that. I like to steal. I mean, I'm using this like, all right, this podcast production cycle, because mm-hmm. literally it's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favorite bubbly drink? I may have read that somewhere. Oh, yeah, I'm a big bubbly person. Um, I don't discriminate. Um, I love all bubbly as long as it's not sweet, but I would say um, kava um, is probably one of my go-tos. Um, champagne, I'm never going to turn down. But I love a, like a French 75 um, or any kind of uh, sparkling you know, cocktail. Yeah. And lastly... Um, what is a superpower you would want to try for 24 hours? Whoa, that's tough. Actually, that came up in a, in a, um, a family uh, lunch over the last weekend. Um, let's see, I think maybe uh, Reading Minds, just because I am always curious. I know I know, I would regret that immediately. You know, it's like if you ever had the impulse to, like, you know, like when you were younger, like read a, like your person you were dating's like texts or like <laughs> go through your, like your, you know, childhood friends, like, you know, diary while they're using the bathroom on a sleepover when you're like nine, just yeah. me. Okay. I did that. I thought I wanted to, I didn't do it, but I wanted to, but I mean, I think that's, that's the journalist, right? Like I would, I would love to be able to read minds for 24 hours, but then I think I would be in therapy for the rest of my life because of everything I learned. Um, but I think that would be fascinating. So that's great. That's, that's great. That's a good answer actually. <laughs> Um, so, so with that, one, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, spending some time with me. And two, um, I want to invite and encourage you to share your website, social media, where folks can check out Frey and all the fine things you guys are doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So social media, what's up? Oh, right. Sorry. Um, so, oh, of course. So districtfrey.com um, and then all of our handles for Insta, Twitter, and Facebook are District Frey as well. And then um, for DC Frey proper to play in our sports leagues or find out about our other events, it's all DC Frey. Um, but. But yeah, please. And there's um, a list of the places you can pick up print copies around the city um, or, you know, hit us up and we'll make sure you you have one. And there you have it, folks. Again, from Eaton Radio in Washington, D.C. at Eaton, D.C., I'm Rob Lee for Monica Alford saying that there's art, community, culture and journalism in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. (laughs) 